one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. to Rule the Roost podcast. Big John Bass, welcome back. Actually, I feel a bit overly familiar calling you Big John Bass. That's like your fighting cock name. It's John Bass here. How are you doing, mate? Hi. I'm good, mate. I'm good. I, do you know what? I think, um, was it the last pod I was on when I was saying, like, self-appointing myself Big John Bass? Um, it's a bit arrogant. <clears throat> and, um, you know, maybe I'm not that big. And then now, all I care after we put that out is people just messaging me going, yeah, you're not that big. Especially, like become especially a, the become Americans. Yeah, they love it, mate. Well, they it. well, they're a big nation, aren't they? So they, they don't think anyone's big compared to them. I was going to say, there was one of those shots I saw of you at one of the supporters clubs. There was an absolute man mountain there as well. Um, yes. I think I commented that I wanted you two to wrestle, but you know, it didn't happen. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was um, that was actually uh, Nashville Spurs. They, I was over there for work and I reached out to Wes, who is one of the nicest guys in the world, um, who sort of runs and looks after Nashville Spurs. So big shout out to Wes. And the guys there, um, the big guy's name, I think it's Joe. Um, I'd had a lot to drink that day, so apologies. Um, and yeah, he's fucking massive. He looks like <laughs> Seth Rogen, but like a giant version. Um, so that was kind of fun. Speaking of like over-familiarity, have you, have you ever been in one of those positions where, you know, in the workplace or something, somebody's just given you like a name and you're kind of like, uh, I don't think we're on that sort of level no have you I, although i've i've had it the other way around so i've always wanted i think this is why big john bass has kind of stopped because i've always wanted a nickname bearing in mind that my surname is a fish um and no one's ever and you know sea bass big bass billy big mouth but nothing never had a nickname which is berserk but i love nicknames and i love give, giving people nicknames um my friend michael uh, no one, no one calls him Michael, including like my mum and like, like everyone's mum calls him his nickname, which is Bump. And the reason <laughs> his nickname is Bump is because before I knew him, when he was at lower school, he went into school one day and everyone had to like give a fact about themselves, like stand up and like say, oh, you know, my name's Michael and I don't know, my dad does this for a living, right? And then everyone would be like, yeah, and sit down. He stood up and he just had on the back of his head a bit of a bump where he just banged his head the weekend before. So he stood up and before he could say anything, someone just went, ha, bump. And that was it. <laughs> Stuck forever. He's 38. And he's had that since he was like seven years old or something. Does so he, um, Does he see the yeah. full funny side or is it, do you think there's that little bit of him that's like, yeah, bump, yeah, fuck off, kind of. Do you know what? It, I, I he was introduced to me as Bump for we we've been friends since we were probably I don't know if, since we were like fifteen and yeah we're now like thirty seven thirty eight. I for probably the first four years of our friendship I didn't know his name. I he was just Bump right like there's a lot of people at school they have a nickname you you never know their name that's just their nickname is just their name. Also went to school and played football with a guy called Beast. <laughs> who was the most mild mannered guy in the world, <laughs> and his name was Beast. And when we used to play 
football against other schools, we'd just call him Beast because that was his name. And then people are like, oh, Beast, oh, I'm a Beast. Oh, well. And they found out why he was called Beast because when he played football, the geezer was a fucking animal and he was amazing. And so they just saw this like mild man, a guy who wouldn't say boo to a goose, get off the bus and we're all calling him Beast. And they're like, oh, we're going to smash this guy to bits. And then, yeah, he just run the whole game. So, yeah, I've never I've never um, been over familiar in the workplace and had a name given to myself. But um, I love I love nicknames. They're my favourite thing. One of my old workplaces, I just used to get called Jacko. <laughs> I just like, all right, Jacko, how you doing? No, nobody calls me that. Ever, nobody yeah. has ever called me that. Um, yeah, there you go. That's 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 the extent of uh, it. That's not too bad. Could have been a lot worse, mate. So you've got off lightly there if you think about it. It's yeah, no, it's, pretty, it's fair enough. I mean, there's probably worse things said behind my back. So you know, I guess that's how it goes, isn't it, mate? Um, there's plenty of bad things that can be said. Oh, how's that for a segue? There's plenty of bad things that can be said about a Tottenham Hotspur football club, John Bass. Um, there is. I mean, that's one of the worst performances of the past few years. I, I, I don't think that was far off Zagreb bad. Um, hmm. I put to you, John, are Tottenham Hotspur going to win another game this season? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. And also... I'm. I think I've I've said this publicly on on the fighting cock before, so it's it shouldn't be a shock to anyone who's heard me on there. I'm all right with that, and I'll tell you why. Because, because part of the problem and all that. Exactly, I'm part of the problem. See, I I think about this all the time, where people say, "Oh, you know," and they want to say it, and then they go, "You know, I always want Tottenham to win," and I'm like, "Yeah," because we have to say that because of yeah. course we do because we want always want your football team to win however sometimes you have to look at the big picture right and sometimes you do just need to blow everything up you basically need to take a couple of steps back to go forward and so in in normal circumstances no I obviously wouldn't want us to lose but I feel like now if you look at the last couple of years where the fans have really hated everything the board don't seem that bothered and so if you just look at the sort of from their perspective right they just see Champions League finishes, European places, you know, there's no major issues from their side. They don't understand the things that we value, you know, like the passion and the style of play. They don't they don't value that. They just value outcomes. And the outcomes haven't been too bad, right? From yep. their perspective, yep. right? So I think we need the outcomes to be as bad as the emotion. We all feel fucking awful. But we're we could still finish fourth <laughs> in the toughest league in the world. Well, and that's, that's the what thing. they will look at. That's, that's what they'll look at. That's the non-emotional take, right? That is, well, it's still a success. Our our wage bill is the sixth or seventh highest in the country. Generally, teams finish, you know, it's assigned by their wage bill position. And we often exceed that. Therefore, we're a success. Which is just kind of running a bit thin now, isn't it? I think with the, with the supporters. Um, so I, I kind of know what you mean. It's funny, isn't it? These thoughts are almost like... They're like an infection, aren't they? And all the white blood cells suddenly. No, you can't. You can't say. You cannot say that it might be all right for Tottenham. Like one of the most awkward times was us in that double bill against Manchester City earlier on in the season, and mm. there's so many people like, well, I think we can probably <laughs> not be that bothered if City beat us tonight, because Arsenal are what I think at that time they're about eleven, twelve points clear, weren't they? So, yeah. But we still, yeah, we still got one over Manchester City then, didn't we? And <laughs> how sweet is that going to be if uh, that's what decides the title? And I'm sure that won't ever, you know, 
I'm sure we won't ever be allowed to forget that one either. Um, but what, I mean, if we go into the game itself, mate, mm. like what what do you what do you attribute that to? Is it the system still? Is it the players? Like what what is actually going? Because I mean, that is. I don't know if you saw Billy <laughs> Billy T said we've just lost to a team of NPCs. Um, <laughs> yeah. like, Love, Love Island contestants from every yeah. year assembled <laughs> in a team. <laughs> <laughs> really is isn't it like yeah. the manager like an old like Hollyoaks cast member or something like it's just <laughs> uh, I mean that was no I mean uh, I say no disrespect to Bournemouth after we've just been <laughs> outright disrespecting them but that, I mean that's that's, oh, God, that's an appalling result and the manner of it is is abysmal isn't it yeah I mean look we, we were just talking about you know outcomes and it doesn't work like that, which is why people love football. But at home, player for player, like forget systems. Like we we should be able to, and we will again beat teams like Bournemouth. And I won't single them out. I'll just say teams like Bournemouth, basically, who don't have the spending power, that can't attract the same players we we can attract. We should be able to turn turn them over. And so, I think whilst we look at each individual player and go shit, 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 shit. If I went to you, like, I don't know even who plays for them, really, but like Stevens and Mepham or whoever, and you went, right, do you want them? They'd be like, no. And I'm like, okay. So it is fair to say that whilst our players are shit in comparison to what we want, they're still better than the teams we occasionally lose to, which makes me feel that it's, whilst they're definitely, they are shit, (laughs) some of these players are shit, um, the system is the main reason. I feel like you can get more out of those players Maybe you, you can't get enough to be where we want to be, but there's more there. There's levels for them to go to um, that we just haven't seen. And so that that's it's the same problem. I, I got to admit, I, I kind of I think I had a bit of a, a wrong take on the, the Stellini situation, which was, you know, I kind of thought, okay, I can kind of see the logic of you keep some consistency, right? It's not a complete overhaul and start again. But maybe Stellini's like, you know, Conte with the brakes off and, you know, now the sort of, you know, the nasty teacher's away and the substitute in is a bit of a laugh. He'll mm-hmm. let them, you know, have a bit more fun and it will it will be not a drastic change, but enough of a change to get results. And we kind of saw that because, you know, when Conte wasn't around, it was better. That just hasn't been the case, has it, mate? And I, I was kind of like, yeah, that's what will happen. It'll be all right. But actually, it's not. It's We've basically got Conte without him just slagging us off, but with all the other shit football. So we're still shit at football. There's just now, there's no one just slagging us off publicly, which it is nice to not have someone slagging us off publicly, but now we're just filling the void by slagging ourselves off publicly. Um, and the football's just, it's horrific. It's horrific. There's no way round it. The football we play is the worst in the league. And I really mean that because I think if you've got other players, if you've got, sorry, if you've got players as good as, you know, Harry Kane and, Romero and even players like you know as much as we don't lo- like love him at the moment but like players like Hoiberg have played for like Bayern Munich and like they play for their national like captain and national teams like they're not mugs they are capable of playing better looking absolutely shit and lost and just a slug in the midfield that, that it's just there's just no redeeming quali- qualities about the way we play we can't play out from the back but we try to so all that we do is pump it long we can't play possession because the, basically as soon as a player gets a ball, he's just under pressure because we play two in midfield when every other fucking team overruns us in, in there. 
we we have injuries as well, right? Which is not the system's fault, but it's obviously taking a toll on us. We're finally getting Sun playing in his correct position, but we haven't been for such a long time. Mm. So that's like fucked us. Like it's just the whole the whole setup is just so negative and is so horrible to watch that when I watch other teams, I'm just like a mate. Like I watched um, Newcastle Villa, and I was just thinking, this is completely different watching this game to watching us. But you can't again. You can't tell me that their players are like streets better than us and miles better than the players that we have available. They're just playing in a system that's just more enjoyable to watch and is just more positive and forward thinking and gets the best out of those players they've got. So yeah, mate, there's there's so much wrong with what we're doing. But like I was saying before, it almost has to be this way. I'm I'm not enjoying every time that it goes wrong. But I am sort of um, hoping that every time something does go wrong, we are a little step closer to Levy and the rest of the board going, ah, fuck, we actually really do need to drastically change something. And so I'm just taking a little bit of solace in in this all just burning down because that's really, I think, what it's going to take to get some meaningful change that we, I think we all want. I mean, Hoibig is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I've, I've kind of been on a an undulating journey with him. Um, and I'm I'm very down on him at the moment, but what I do believe and what I sort of think you're touching on there is that the system right now I don't really feel is allowing for a properly objective opinion on a player like Hoybier because yeah. as much as he does things that are very frustrating quite a lot of the time, you also have to see well he's been run into the ground like the fact that yeah. the fact that Papa Matasar has seen something like I think I saw it on Twitter like eight minutes of football since he played 90 minutes against AC Milan and was brilliant (sighs) yeah he's seen eight minutes of football since then he's bizarre it's uh, and it there's so many things like that and I I totally I totally totally get the whole we don't see them in training blah 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 like we've heard this bullshit time and time and time again but we have seen Papa Matasar play for Tottenham and look really good. So what what's what's going on there? Why why are we so rigidly stuck in this kind of system where we have a player like Hoybier who is right now, I would say performance wise, objectively quite poor. Yeah. Whether or not that allows us to bleed out an opinion on him overall as a player, if he's worthwhile or not kind of persisting with is probably not fair. I mean, I still, obviously, have my opinion on it and I think he's, I just, there's just something about him that I just don't quite think is at the level for us wanting to go on the next, the next sort of rung, if you like. But then, are we in that place? And also, you, you have plenty of examples. You have somebody like Jordan Henderson, who's completely written off, gets a good manager coming, a good coach, that, re- that galvanizes him, knows how to use him, knows his strengths, knows his abilities, knows how to build a team around him. And Jordan Henderson's a Premier League and Champions League winning captain. It's, it's you know, so the, this kind of set, this idea that it's not that it's just the players, that the players are fucking terrible, and they're all a joke, and they're all a result of this bullshit that Daniel Levy's done, and he hasn't spent any proper money, and. And what was Antonio Conte or what is Stellini supposed to do with these players? What was Mourinho supposed to do with these players? I just don't fully buy it, mate. I don't fully buy it. Like Newcastle have spent a bit of money, right? They they have spent a bit of money. We all know they've yeah. spent a bit of money. They've not spent mega money yet, 
They they will. It's a matter of time. We know we know how this goes. A lot of what they're doing right now, and anybody listening, please don't get this wrong. I'm not joining on this narrative, the kind of plucky Newcastle thing. I know what they're backed by. I completely understand that. But right now, at this point in time, the majority of their success has come from Eddie Howe being a really good coach. Yeah. The, everybody has kind of derided him. They forget that like he came in with Bournemouth and he was really good and he was looked he was he was really held in the same regard as Graham Potter was with Brighton, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. And that sort of fell to shit. And then for some reason Eddie Howe kind of became this joke figure. And I think in a way he's kind of come back now and given a lot of like two fingers up to a lot of people. Um and I do also understand that I guess they're sort of buoyed by the momentum of probably being backed by an endless pit of money and they have that pressure and whatever. I don't know. I think Newcastle's a, it's a, it's a dodgy example because there's many different ways in which that conversation can lead. But the root of my point is that there are some good players here and there are players that are not losing three, two at home to Bournemouth bad in the way that we have been. Um, We should be really, I even feel looking at kind of St. James's park away, Manchester United at home and probably on the strength of, this season, Anfield away, as being three games in which we could get a result. But really, I'm looking at three losses in a row now. And it's, 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 it's batshit because just before the game, when I was previewing the Bournemouth game, I had this sort of sneaking suspicion. I was looking at last year and I was thinking, you know what, when the chips are down, our lot can get the job done. Yeah, they, they, They've been in these fights before. They know they can do it. But, I just feel this time. I just feel there's there's no there's no wind in the sails. It, it feels quite dead now. Um, and I, I wanted to put something to you, John. I wanted to ask you because it feels uncomfortable even suggesting this, but I'm getting this kind of growing feeling now that a lot of this, or at least a big part of this, could be down to Hugo Lloris. Our mm. club captain, he looks really spent now. He doesn't look like a good goalkeeper. He makes some, He made a couple of good reflex saves. I think Lloris is always going to have that in his bag until his body fully gives up on him. I think he's always going to be able to have those cat-like reflexes. But it, it, with regard to everything else, he seems just terrible at the moment. And I, I just wonder how much this has an effect uh, an impact on the rest of the players and we, we're we not in the change room we can't attest to what Hugo Lloris is like as a captain but also it's a captain who's been here what for 10 11 years now I think I think he's been here for a decade now at least we've gotten to pretty much all of the all of the things that a captain can get to at club level and fallen short of it each time is Hugo Lloris the guy that when we sign a new player that's been like Welcome to the team. We can achieve great things here. We're going to win the lot. Do you know what I mean? Or is it... Yeah. I mean, for me, I think with, with the Hugo situation, I think basically... I, I actually tr- like kind of trace this back to the end of uh, last season when we went on that run and we were sort of combining sort of old Spurs way of playing. So sort of the end of the Mourinho era, Kane dropping deep and finding Sun running in behind, um, Hoiberg doing quite well, 
and sort of combining basically he didn't tinker with it too much because he kind of said a few times look the players are still learning my system they're learning my system in hindsight and it's a wonderful thing that was actually perfect in a way <laughs> what happened is he implemented the system too rigidly this season and our players are actually incapable of playing the exact system he wants because any pundit you hear talk about it says you know he needs really technically gifted centre-backs to be able to pass out into midfield. He needs a certain type of midfielder who can turn the game over, receive the ball under pressure, turn and run relentlessly for 90 minutes. He needs a keeper who's capable of playing out from the back and he needs players who can come and hold the ball up in those wider positions and play with their back to goal. We, none of that we have in our squad. But we had sort of a hybrid before where it was like Hugo could kick it long and he was all right with that because he was like well you know until he's ready to know the system that's fine I'll let the sort of centre-backs play it long or play it quicker because again they're not really capable of doing that and we'll come back to that and I'll let Sonny go and play in his best position and do what he wants up the pitch because again he needs to learn these mythical automations and how to play like that way and as a result of it our players sort of worked out how to do enough to keep Conte happy and get over the line and win games, which is why Sun scored a fuck ton of goals under Conte, and then this season he ha he hasn't. When we've done, we've spent more time with a manager who's gone, no, this is how you play. We had an entire summer drilling it into them, and then a whole se like you know basically a whole season of him drilling it into them. And I think Hugo has just been exposed by that. I think he's just been exposed by we know his biggest weakness is his kicking. It always has been, but this system and this way of playing is so reliant on that position being able to do it. That even a player like Forster, who's not known for being particularly great with his feet, looks such a step up yeah. when he comes in. Such a step up. And I could see a world in which, you know, you have an Allison or an Edison in goal and a couple of ball playing centre backs, and it does look completely different. And you do go, Oh, okay, I can see what's happening here. But we don't have that. And my you know, again, without going too too far back here, my issue with Conte all the time was that you just don't have it. You can't just go, Well, that's the way I play and <laughs> That's it. You have to adapt to what you've got in a squad and, and manage it accordingly and try and adapt that. And he was just never willing to do it. Um, but yeah, to go, to go back to Hugo, that's what I think is is the issue, is that when he first came into the team, sweeper keepers, being like quick off your line was all the rage and he was right at the forefront of that. Yeah, And it's moulded in to become more and more that they're essentially another centre-back who can progress play, start moves, can control possession bring teams onto you he is n nowhere near capable of doing that and it's really sad because you're right like if he was playing in the 90s he'd be fucking unbelievable still he would be amazing still because people would just see the saves and just go wow what a, like what a keeper but that's not enough anymore unfortunately and that's why i think when it comes to the summer we have to let him go like we just have to because we we regardless of what type of manager we play it's just so important uh, sorry what type of manager we have that wants to play a certain way they will want the keeper to be involved with the ball um whether you play a back four or, or back three if you want a, uh, to have that type of manager you're going to have to have a keeper that's more competent on the ball so yeah I think it's inevitable and in a way I kind of hope that's what happens because otherwise the longer this continues the more this is what the narrative is of Hugo Lloris rather than he was loyal. He could have gone to a million other clubs. He stayed with us. Okay, he didn't win anything with us, but you know he won the World Cup with France, and he was our keeper. And he was, you know, in the when the times were good, when we had Poch, he was great then, um, and hopefully will be remembered fondly. But if he carries on into another season, it will become more and more obvious that he is a big, big part of the problem. 
I mean, it's quite mad, isn't it? Like you say, though, because you do, you've noticed a drop off since Fraser Forster's out the team. And Fraser yeah. Forster is, he's a good Premier League keeper, but he's not exceptional, is he? You know? And it's, it's just, it's so mad that we notice this change when, when he's in the team. Hugo Lloris is supposed to be like the bedrock of the team. And yeah. it's just not there anymore. It's just not there. Um, look, we're talking about singling out players. We can't ignore the the booing, the treatment of Davinson Sanchez. Um, hmm. I mean, my initial sort of reaction to this, because I know there's always this, uh, this question will always come up when it comes to booing. You shouldn't do that. You should, yeah, it's absolutely... Look, I, I think personally speaking... I like, I don't boo. I don't. I just find it naff. I don't, you know, really like it. I don't like it when it was like singling out an individual like Dav Sanchez. But equally, I don't think I have that visceral reaction of like anybody that does that's an idiot. That's completely disgusting. How dare you do that to a player? Like in my way, it's kind of it, it is the pantomime of football. And if it is, yeah. if it's if it's booing, that's different to shouting and screaming abuse targeted abuse at somebody booing is a way of just people showing their displeasure about something and i think fans do have every right to do that and i don't know why it's it's seen as such a because i've seen people be quite derisory of the idea of like well you know people think just because they pay to go and watch a football match they they have a right to boo it's like well i, th- I don't really think they don't know you know i think mm. if people want to do that they can like i say I think it's really kind of the preserve of, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to insult people, but like, I just, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't, it's not something I like doing. It's not something I like to associate with, but equally, you know, I don't know what, I mean, what do you, because it was horrible, it was horrible watching that, watching that unfold. That's that, I mean, that's what I do rush to say as much as I talk about the pantomime of football. Seeing Dav Sanchez get like roundly booed and go off the pitch in tears, it's it's fucking horrible. It's really grim to see, and it does hit home that as much as we see these kind of players almost commodified, right? We see them as football cards and Panini stickers and FIFA Ultimate Team cards and whatever. Like they are still people. They are still human beings, and something like that. I mean, <laughs> twenty, thirty thousand people all shouting or booing at you is is going to be it's going to be affecting um where where do you stand on on that on a sort of surface level to begin with mate so i i guess i'm kind of fall into a similar camp as yourself mate i i wouldn't boo i don't think i have booed i also feel felt and feel sorry for players even you know, even of other clubs when they've been a complete scumbag and they're like getting like 60,000 people like booing them I'm like I can't you could never really imagine what that's like right? that must just be fucking mental like the thought of it is just actually kind of really intimidating one and also just especially if it's coming from the people that you are representing and you're trying to do the best for them and they're they're not happy with you it's even worse right opposing fans you know, we all expect that, right? Like, no, I, I never hear anyone going, "Oh, we we shouldn't boo Arsenal when they come and play us." Like, no, we 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 boo them, and no one cares about that because it's targeted our own player. That becomes an issue. So, I think it's a really grey area. If I'm honest, I like I said, I wouldn't do it. I felt really sorry for him on a personal and human level. It's like that it just isn't a like objectively, it's not a nice thing, right? It's a negative emotion poured out in like verbally. So that's not nice. But like a lot of these things, and 
we sort of put it in the sense of like it's a bit like Brexit, right? The fans, <laughs> the fans in this case, like you know, the people of Britain um, are unhappy with the way that the country is being run, yeah. i.e., Enoch, right? They can't do anything about that, right? They can't, you know, have to wait for an election, and even then, depending on which way you want to vote, it's no guarantee that you can actually change them, right? We have two parties, and they basically do pretty much the same things. And there's this whole feeling in the country of like the sort of elites deciding what happens and all these business interests and all this stuff that's going on, right? That's like Enoch doing all this stuff other than what's happening on the football pitch and not giving a shit about the normal guy who just goes to work and comes home every day. So what they can do is they can vote for Brexit, i.e. boo a player who doesn't deserve it. Let's be honest, right? Like we've had loads of shit players who deserve to get booed. We've had players in this team who probably deserve to get booed. But they decide to pick someone and put a thumb in the eye of the owners and make the stadium the shiny thing and make the world, like Brexit, look and go, what the fuck's going on over there? Because that's the only outlet that fans have, right? Is there is that they they want to put their voices to show and express why they're pissed off. Now, I also think people booing him because he's shit. And they're annoyed and they think he's shit and they've singled him out because he's shit. So I'm not saying it's like all of the fans that are booing are, are creating this some sort of like mythical concept of, <laughs> right, what we want to do, <laughs> like 4D chess, right? They're not yeah. going, right, I've got an idea, guys. <laughs> Pass it along. We're going to boo Sanchez. That'll get Levy going. But I think at its like core, that's kind of, it's dissatisfaction at the football club. And it's re- a real shame that he's been the subject of that. Um, but it's it's also because he's shit right and the people are just pissed off and frustrated so they're they're booing booing him for that so yeah the whole thing is very murky and um i did say um again on on fighting cock this week that i in a perverse way whether people mean it or not i do think it is sort of the only thing that will um make levy and the board take notice because it makes the atmosphere inside the stadium, which is the crown jewel in Levy's like footballing side of Tottenham. I built this amazing stadium. We have the best stadium. Yeah, but every fucker inside it's booing relentlessly. It's toxic. It's horrible. It's on Sky. I mean, this game was was a three o'clock, but the reporting on it, right, it's been everywhere and it's been talked about and everyone's talking about it. Like every podcast this week is talking about the booing and it's becoming a big topic. That's bad press. That yeah, affects yeah. the price and affects the sort of brand of Tottenham Hotspur, which is what those people, and we spoke about it before about, you know, understanding the outcomes, that's their language. That's the shit they do understand. So whether or not people are, you know, doing this as some sort of clever way to do it, it, that's the effect it will have. That's the outcome it will have. And we saw it with Nuno, where he made a substitution, and and I say we, the royal we, the, the fans, booed that decision very, very clearly, a message of this is fucking shit, do something about it. And they did. And so that sets a precedent, right? The people remember that stuff and go, well, we booed before when we wanted something to happen and it happened. Yeah. And so it's human nature. People will, people, this will happen more and more and more in football when the prices continue to go up and up and up and the owners don't do what we want because it's the only thing that we can control is what we can do in our seats in those grounds. So that doesn't help Davison Sanchez or his family and friends seeing that. And I feel really sorry for him. Um, he's massively collateral damage in this scenario in my Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that because it's it does seem to be that when we... I was talking to Spooky the other day and it's, it's just simply that this is a player that we knew two, if not three years ago, yeah. was not right for us, was not right for the Premier League, was not right for our team, really. And we just haven't moved on. He's, again, emblematic of this culture that has set in. And I do think it has been changing. You know, we shipped off and Dombele and Gio Celso at the behest of Antonio Conte. So maybe there is some appetite for change at the top levels of the club, but we all know for quite some time anyway, the club have been really loath to just write off a player that they've spent money on, right? And Dav Sanchez mm-hmm. is very much a part of that. Um, I do think it's probably apt that we do discuss a conversation that was had on the View from the Lane podcast, which has not gone down very well on Twitter whatsoever, um, where they were making the point that I think the fan base needs to be more conscious of the fact uh, that it's not really a good look when you look down the past few years that the only players that have actually really been roundly booed have been Davinson Sanchez, Emerson Royale, uh, Tangi and Dombele as several of the prominent examples. Also happen to be black, obviously. Um, and the, the, the argument being made that people like Eric Dyer Harry Winks, Pierre Mohoibia, who are roundly criticised on Twitter and seem to be some players who are identified, shall we say, as being part of the problem at Tottenham, aren't subject to to the booing. Do, do you see something in that at all, mate? Because, I mean, we all, unconscious bias is a thing. We all know unconscious bias is a thing. To to ignore that is, you know, is, is bollocks. We all have to introspect on this type of thing. Um. But it just because I'll be honest, when I first sort of heard this, I was like, so I don't think it's fair to really say that like booing Davinson Sanchez is racist. But then when you do look at this pattern, it doesn't sit comfortably, you know? Yeah. So I think there's so there's two things. I'll give you my, my personal opinion and then I'll give you an alternative view that I've sort of thought about um, the last couple of days or so that that. I just think it's interesting. I'm not. I'm not even advocating for. It. I just thought it's a, a different perspective. So, my own opinion is that yeah, like we have. Um, everyone has their sort of an inherent like kind of biases that they essentially they can't control, right? Which I think in this instance, like the pattern is is kind of there to see because you know, as I said before, we've had lots of other shit performers who aren't who are white and they aren't under the same level of scrutiny. 
And so that to me does scream of they're not booing these players because they're black. They're booing them because they're shit, but they're not booing the other players because there is this sort of unconscious bias behind them. I, I kind of tend to feel like that's a fairly logical explanation and it's not a that's not calling the fan base racist. And I think this is the problem, maybe this is more of just a broad culture war, right? Is that mm. some of this language gets bundled in with if you say you know, unconscious bias, therefore you're some sort of like lefty, woke yeah, yeah. kind of person who's saying that all white people, it's not okay to be white and all this kind of stuff. And it becomes very loaded. But just, just on a basic level, right, we all have biases of various different nature and that's just, that's fine. So the the alternate view to that is if, if it's unconscious bias and therefore you can't do anything about it and we all have it, then it doesn't, it's sort of irrelevant, right? It's because it's not, it's not anything that anyone can do anything about. So being conscious of it <laughs> isn't that the point it's subconscious we're not conscious of it so sort of bringing it to the fore of well you know we should be aware of it yeah i agree more on a social level maybe we should be we should be aware of of why we're booing someone but these emotional outpourings aren't considered are they <laughs> no one's walking down the street just booing people for no reason we're in a cauldron of a a football ground and so i was thinking about this and i was thinking well what other what other connections are there that people would maybe have? And I, and I thought about it, and I thought, right, who else has been shit for Spurs? And I was thinking, right, well, Tanganga, Sessegnon, both are black, but both are English, right? And they've got, considering how bad they've both been, they've they've taken a bit of stick, like all players, like Dyer does, like Winks does, but they have not been, like, roundly booed off the pitch, and then I was looking at what those other players you named have, have in common aside from their their skin colour and none of them are English. And so I wonder if this is as much of a a foreign issue, right? Um, as much as about their their nationality and that we give our, quote-unquote, our boys um, more of a pass. Because if I look at some of the sort of situations around the, even the game at the weekend, Poro was booed badly and then abused on social media afterwards and guess what he's not english either and so i wonder if there's there's a ton of biases going on here and again this is this subconscious bias concept of like maybe there's just like this this whole swathe of various different concepts of of bias but i do i did think that was really interesting and especially if you you sort of chuck in some of our most celebrated players. So like I'm thinking Defoe and King. And then even if I think about like recent Player of the Year awards, we notably we've all kind of laughed that Harry Kane just kept losing out to Hyung Min Son. Mm. Right. Well, that can't just be because if there's an unconscious bias against non white players and you've got our greatest ever player not winning Player of the Year then there's got to be something in that. Now, albeit that, that sort of contradicts my argument because Sun is not English. But I don't know. I, I feel like this is it's very easy to get drawn into, oh, there's a pattern here. But yeah, but if you don't if you don't expand that pattern out, right? Eric Dyer doesn't get booed. Yeah, but he's English. Harry Winks, English. Skip, English. Like there's, there's a lot of other reasons. If we just pick one, one factor and just that's the reason... I think also if I look at Tangai Sanchez, I also put Hosangali on my list as well because I remember him getting booed for throwing the shirt. Yeah, and Royale, um, the, those players have been booed because they did they were shit basically, right? Tang, mm. Tangi was the one where he walked off the pitch, 
people found that disrespectful. He got booed for that. That that I think is at the time people were, wasn't like the Sanchez one. They were sort of like, yeah, that's fair enough. You can't do that. You're disrespecting the club. Same as Hossam Ghali, right? He got booed for that. Um, the Sanchez one is is more because yeah, the poor performance, and I do feel like that one was a bit more personal. And Royale, I think that was because uh, again, like we need an attacking fullback. He keeps cutting back, and people don't like that. But then he turns the corner and suddenly he's putting in great performances. And it's not like people aren't cheering him. They are cheering him. They're celebrating him. So I think it, it's, like I said, my personal opinion is there's definitely something to this idea of um, unconscious bias with, with this. There, there is something there. I think it's super naive to not say that. Um, that's my personal view is that's why. But if you want to like go a bit deeper, I don't think it's just a case of we just boo players we don't like that happen to be black and we won't boo the others. I think it's a bit more nuanced than that. And... I worry sometimes with these conversations and it, and look I'm this is again just an idea right I'm not even advocating for that idea I'm just saying that I feel like there's way this is a sh- enormous subject basically yeah, yeah. And one I'm I'm not qualified to speak upon and also you know I'm also very conscious and I, I did listen to the view from the lane podcast they, they made the same point which is you and I this is, this is two white blokes who've never been subject to, to racism right. having to talk about about this subject but we really we don't know what that would feel like. So I'm always very conscious of that as well. So yeah, I don't know. I just think the whole subject is very difficult and I don't I don't like the idea that we ignore that potentially as an angle. But I also don't like the idea that we just all assume, oh yeah, look, here you go. Here's a list of four players who've had it and they're all, this is one characteristic they all share. So therefore that's the reason. I'm also not comfortable with that either. So in summary, <laughs> it's very nuanced, very messy and fundamentally he seems like a really nice person who's been made to feel like shit um, because he's not, not played very well at football. And that seems mental to me. I think because I really, a lot of what you say there really resonates with me, mate. And I, I, I think as I've gotten older, as you try to kind of grasp onto stuff in the world, you know, it's, it is a fast moving world now. It's, it's ever increasing as well. I think as probably as we get older and more out of touch with, whatever the the latest advances in certain things i'm sure that will become more prevalent when people start having brain implants in a few years time and stuff and we don't want to do that but more to this point is that to try and make sense of things now i think we're often kind of hardwired to like look for answers definitive answers mm. and in a situation like this like you say there aren't really any definitive answers there's a lot of intangibles right there's a lot of questions that could be thrown up the context of how are these players performing, the context of players just wanting their voice to be heard, the fact that Davinson Sanchez is uh, is a symbol almost of the club's failure, not only in recruitment, but also in the hesitancy to move players on that haven't worked out well. Is it a frustration with that? There's all these various different factors to it. But what I always try to draw out of these situations now is we have an opportunity here at least to, whether or not it's the correct answer or not or whether or not you feel that it is for this particular reason or not what we can do here though is have a springboard to have a conversation like this where we can at least again put into the spotlight the fact that we do have unconscious biases and these type of things should be you know they should be considered and if you are in the stadium and you do feel compelled to boo a player maybe ask yourself why do I feel more compelled to boo Davinson Sanchez than I do Eric Dyer? You know, and yeah. I, I don't think it hurts for people to just have that at the forefront of their mind again, because 
I don't think they they're kind of getting bashed for it for it. The view from the lane lads. They actually quite clearly said, look, we're not saying Tottenham fans are racist. We're not saying that everybody here is racist. We're just saying there is an uncomfortable pattern to this and maybe we should consider it. And I, I can't really disagree with that at all, you know? Yeah, so, I thought I thought um, when I listened to that, I thought the way that they discussed that was, was exactly right, which is that, you know, they're not booing. They're not, they're, the, the people in the stadium aren't thinking to myself, I'm going to boo this person because they happen to be black. They're, they're, they surface level think, I'm booing you because you shit. But that we we know well, we should be at a point now where society should accept the fact that we have some subconscious biases, and we can see that in everyday life. You only have to look around. The the problem that they've got, and I'm sure we might get the same thing now having this conversation, is that this topic yep. is very sensitive, and there's a whole world where you start mentioning certain buzzwords and subconscious bias is one of those things where people make a massive assumption about the rest of your opinions yeah. on the topic of of race and on on the topic of like you know and i hate to use the word because people now see that as a negative but like woke and all this kind of stuff right and they will put you in one camp or the other either you're against it in which case you're like a bigoted far-right racist or you're for it and you're a like wokey lefty you know crazy out of touch all the reason modern britain's going down the pan so you can't really win i'm sure we're going to get some of this I, I just think it's like it's to your point jack i think it's important to just have the conversation we're all supposed to be trying to better ourselves and, and learn a little bit about it which is why i'm kind of at pains to stress everything i just said it's just an idea i'm not even saying yeah. it's my personal opinion i just think that we should be having these conversations in order to really kind of get to the root of why these things are happening and if it, we can all just be a little bit nicer to each other and a bit calmer and try and understand a bit more rather than just try and condemn each other we might be in a better place and maybe if we didn't just boo anyone maybe that would be better let's move on to a, a, a you know a, a contentious subject but let's just say one that's that's less fraught with you know like you say that kind of emotional mm. baggage oh, that feels like the wrong way to say but you know um luis enrique heavily linked to the Tottenham Hotspur job today. What's your gut feeling on that, mate? Boo! <laughs> 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 Foreign! <laughs> Foreign, he's not, he's not English, Mark. Paella at half-time. You're having a fucking... I like a pie, not a paella. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I am not really a fan of his football because I think he's a little bit like Conte. If you've got... Um, loads of technicians in your team like you had with Barcelona and, and even with Spain to a certain extent you can maybe get away with it but I don't like the idea of our current squad being able to play sort of this tiki-taka possession ball the team to death by keeping it I, that's not really when I'm talking about sort of front foot attacking football possession base I'm not talking about yeah just relentlessly keep the ball and ball the team into submission I'm thinking more of like high pressing, get the ball back and move it quickly and get up the pitch quickly with sort of, you know, some like focus and determination and drive and hunger. That's what I want to see. His is more, again, my limited understanding, his is more passive control of the possession and just strangle the team through them just chasing you around the pitch all day. Like we saw with his Spain team. That's just boring. I'm just not into that, mate. Not at all. I'm not keen on that. At all, I th he seems like a really nice person. He's had a lot of difficulties in his personal life that he's sort of overcome with with grace and stuff like that. And you know, seems like a decent enough guy. Yeah. He was a great player on Retro Champ Manager back in the day, um, basically playing every position. So you know, he knows his way around a football pitch. But 
I just I just don't fancy him, mate. I just don't fancy him. Do you think there's something in there because you know we've been linked with him? So Dan's another one that it doesn't seem to be quite as as loud at the moment. Mm. But to me, this just what doesn't what doesn't appeal to me with that, even outside of the football, is more the the kind of the themes, if you like. A manager who's won it all already, a manager who's held in that superstar regard, a manager who's worked with you know at a club like Barcelona has been linked with Chelsea. Is it more of the same? You know, we've just had Marino, Conte, right, Nuno, Espirito Santo in between, but we don't really even count that, do we? A manager who is taking a step down, if you like, to come to to little old Tottenham, where they've got the pre-built excuse already. If they don't win anything here, well, Mourinho couldn't do it, Conte couldn't do it. It's the club's fault, not mine. It's all just, and I'm not saying Enrique is is as toxic as either of the other two. He, I don't, I definitely don't think he is that type of bloke, but. It all feels wrapped up in more of the same, right? It all feels wrapped up in somebody that does. Does he really, truly have that hunger? Because this is something I spoke about with Spooky as well. Is that because we still haven't won a Premier League or a Champions League, right? There's that itch there. There's that. There's always going to be that hunger there. And I referenced like my friend Michael, who he's he's a Leicester City fan. That even through every, all the shit that they're going through now, even when they get a bad result. There's still that little kind of mattress that you can fall back onto. Of I've seen my team win the Premier League. It's all right. Mm. Does a man? Does that? Does that work with a manager though as well? If, if is he really going to dig deep? Is he really going to think I? Because that's what you need you, for Tottenham to make that jump up. Look at look at what Jurgen Klopp did. Right, Jurgen Klopp completely gave himself to Liverpool. He was completely immersed in Liverpool, and it worked. Right, because he was still a manager that. Okay, I think I do think he, he did win the Bundesliga, but he'd come close and he'd had the sort of Pochettino thing with the Champions League with Dortmund, right? And the team fell to pieces after that, after they lost in the Champions League final to Bayern Munich. I think he left Dortmund in the relegation zone and he seemed quite spent, but he goes into Liverpool and he's completely immersed in the project. These managers like Luis Enrique, I sort of think, are they going to do that? They, do they have that? urgency do they have that urge to really prove themselves to to win something with Tottenham or is it uh you know they're a club that they'll probably play in the Champions League I'll get a good salary out of it I might get to manage Harry Kane it's in London it's kind of cool you know but it's still an alarm bell for me you know yeah I, I agree mate I think there's like certain managers that that if you put them in with the big egos with clubs with big monies and already good squads they will kind of deliver what they need to deliver so like let's say let's say a, a Conte you put him at like a Chelsea or an Inter Milan where they're basically you know when he was at Inter they, they spent the most I think in the league and they already had a good squad and when he was at Chelsea they obviously had money and Zidane Real Madrid they've got like one of the best squads they've got the heritage and all the rest of it in the Champions League so of course he's going to win stuff there and recad that Barcelona team with, with fucking Neymar Messi like you you put Zidane at Southampton, they'll get relegated. <laughs> it's quite a funny concept, that. Just... They, they, they just get relegated because he, he, he's suddenly going, oh, I can do this, and they can't do it. And because he hasn't had to be flexible, because he's had the best players at his disposal who can do all the things he wants them to do, they can do it. Pep Guardiola has been undoubtedly one of the best managers. And if you are one of the best managers, why would you want to manage a team that isn't the best in a respective country? 
But again, like he's had Barcelona, their their best team ever. Now I appreciate he you know plucked players like Busquets and made that team what it was and all the rest of it. I get that. I'm not. This is not me slagging off Guardiola. You go to to Bayern in at best a two team league, but basically a one team league, and you smash everyone to bits. And then you come to Man City, you've got the most money, and then you smash everyone to bits. Would how would he do it? Southampton. How would he do it at Spurs? How would he do it at Spurs? That's the one I'm interested to know, Guardiola. Yeah. So with these managers where they've been at top tier um, clubs in leagues where they have the best team and the most money, I just I just don't see the way... And it's not even necessarily their fault, right? Because you've got a system that works. You get good players that can play that system. You get success. Simple. But what happens when you don't have those players because you're in a much more competitive league where the best players are spread out a little bit and you suddenly need to coach and like teach sort of average players to get slightly better and your your best players to get even better and suddenly that elevates the entire squad like what Poch did with us like what Klopp did with Liverpool Klopp's a good example right because Dortmund in a two-team league where they're the second team he did wonders with that team and had to think outside the box because they don't have the same budget even over Bayern Munich and they did great in Europe and then obviously everything goes crashing down fair enough but then he goes to Liverpool and does it again right basically takes a team that um, you know we're finishing below Spurs and then through good acquisition and great coaching and a system that can be adapted to the players that you have yeah they spent a bit of money of course they did but it's not out of the realms of what we could spend right it's not like mega 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 money um, they suddenly able to win a league and win a Champions League and get to multiple finals and give themselves loads of opportunities to, um, you know, if it wasn't for City, just ridiculous points tallies would have had another league title at least. So this is what worries me about the managers we're linked with. They're just big names that are going to have exactly the same problem that Conte and Mourinho had, which is that, well, they can win when you just give them the best team and with the most money and players that play their exact way of their system. But as soon as you go outside of that, you deviate outside of that, they look lost. Whereas what I think what we need is a manager with ideas and concepts of coaching and building up players and also managers who are prepared to go, I found this youth player in the youth system who I think can do a job. We don't need to spend 30 million on this sort of, you know, third choice in this position. You know, think about the money we've spent on right backs alone. It's mega. Like why? Because we, we, we haven't got a manager who can go, all right, I will coach Spence. You don't need to buy Poro. I'll make him good enough to play in the system. Instead, it's like, no, I don't quite fancy him. Let's spend another fucking 30, 40 million or whatever we spent on Poro. We, we waste money because the managers we have aren't prepared to coach within the limitations of what we got. And that's why Poch is still my preferred choice because he will blend the idea of there's quality in the squad that you can get more out of. There'll be youth players in and around, whether that's in our system or around the footballing planet that are ready to play and that he can get the most out of. And, you know, he can get the most out of our best players available. And if there's another manager that can that wants to do that as well, that's who we should be going for because we're never going to spend, we're not going to spend the money of, let's say, a Newcastle now, a Man City, Chelsea, the money they've spent. We're not going to do that. But we have got money to spend, so we have to spend it wisely and then coach round the rest of it. What do you make of... I just want to ask you quickly, mate. What do you make of Vincent mm. Company with, with, with all of that stuff in mind? Because when that was first... You know, it seemed to be... Everyone got whipped up into a bit of a frenzy. I think it was on Friday <laughs> afternoon. There was some talk that we were about to unveil Company, you know, and that seems to be people getting a bit ahead of themselves. Yeah. And 
my sort of immediate reaction to it was uh, there was a definite sense of excitement. There is something to me that was appealing that was appetizing about the appointment of company. You look at what he's done at Burnley. It is brilliant. You look at what he was like as a player. It seems so mad to me that so much of the discussion around the best ever Premier League centre-back is between Van Dijk and Rio Ferdinand. I'm like, who the fuck? Why is nobody talking about Vincent Kompany? He was an absolute monster for years. Like, club captain of one of the the greatest Premier League teams and was pretty much flawless. Um, But, so he does have that stature and there is something about that that I do quite like. But then I also think, and I do think people are being revisionist on this, it was a similar story with Steven Gerrard. Yeah, he Mm. was tearing it up in the SPL and people want to kind of turn their noses up at that. But, it's probably a similar level to the championship. I think we'd all probably agree. And nobody's won that outside of Celtic in a long time. So for him to come and... A lot of people were liking that Rangers team. A lot of people liked the way he had them playing football. He was heavily linked to Tottenham. Um, didn't happen in the end. But we've seen how that played out. He went to Aston Villa and they're an absolute shambles. So I still can't help but have that worry a bit with somebody like company that it might be a bit too much too soon for him. However, appointing him or someone like Luis Enrique, give me co- give me company any day of the week. Yeah, this this that's basically where I'm at with it, mate. It's like, yeah, it's a risk, but everyone's a risk. We, we've had two of, the, two of the biggest names in management in football as our last couple of like proper managers. In, in Jose Mourinho, one of the greatest managers to ever live, and Antonio Conte, as, who has... I mean, I think his achievements have been a little bit overrated, as I've said many times, but still considered to be a top-tier manager. They've done fuck all. Like, they just haven't. It just hasn't worked. So when we brought in Poch, you know, done a bit at Aspignon, bit at Southampton, and there was a lot of promise there. And we we sort of lucked into getting him. We wanted fucking Louis Van Gaal, and we ended mm. up with Pochettino because we didn't get who we wanted, and that worked out massively in our favour. And I think if this happens again, I'm I'm not like saying that company guarantees that he's the next Pep Guardiola. But I'd rather find that out than go down at Luis Enrique, which we basically know won't work. Like, we just know it won't work. Whereas someone like company, even with the Gerard thing, right? Like, I don't I don't necessarily even think that Gerard couldn't go somewhere else and become successful again somewhere else because he'll have learned a lot from the experience at Villa because when he first went there, they were doing all right. And things kind of soured, and he probably will learn a lot from that if he really wants to continue in management. Because what he did, what he did with Rangers was great, right? Like getting them promoted and then going on and winning the league is was actually <laughs> unbelievable, really. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like with company, having seen now a couple of different clips of him talking and the way he handles himself, the kind of football that they're playing and his football in philosophy, yeah, it would be a risk, but it would be a lot more fun and a lot more interesting. And I would rather us take a risk and try and do something new. Like I was saying before, blow it all up, start again. Let's go on a fun journey with the expectations a bit lower and a bit more like patience given because it's now it's not like a win now manager. It's we're blowing it all up. We're starting again. We're going to get rid of a load of old dead wood. We're going to start playing some more youth players. We're going to sign some exciting players, maybe some you've not really heard of. We're not going to go after the big names. We're going to go after the right type of player. And we're going to build an ethos and a style of play that's going to get you excited and it's going to be fun. People will fucking take that and they'll really enjoy it. 
I still think bring Pochettino back. <laughs> yeah, Lots of it. Everything you say one. is true, but just give me dad back, you know? Yeah, well, because po- Poch is all of those things, right? Yeah. Plus, we know already he loves the club. Now, if you bring someone like Company in and he gives us all those things, um, is he ever going to love Spurs more than his affection for City? Probably not. But we already know Poch has it, which is why Poch still remains my number one choice, because I want someone who loves us and we already know he does. We've got because this is it, right? If Guardiola goes in a couple of years' time, and company has Tottenham fighting for fourth, third place. Surely he's going to be top of their list, right? Yeah, right. And that's but speculating, then it, isn't it? To be fair, but and also if he's doing that with us, mate, then that's good, right? Like that's not a bad thing. It's a nice problem to have that our manager's doing so well. He want that City want him. Great. Then he's done something good, and then we learn from that and go, okay, cool. You can bring in someone who's able to. You know who you might not kind of have heard of um, in the same levels as these other managers in terms of their managerial experience, but they can do something exciting with us. So I, I think that's a nice problem to have. I'm not concerned about the fact that he might end up going to, to City, essentially the best team in the country. Great, that means he's been really good with us. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.